Numbers chapter 9. Numbers chapter 9, we're going to be looking at uh, verses 15 through 23 this morning. It's a little, there's, it's, there's a little redundancy in these passages, but you'll, this is good. Good, say good redundancy. God doesn't use words just to fill the blank, amen? He does it for a purpose. It says, now on the day that the tabernacle was raised up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony. From evening until morning, it was above the tabernacle like the appearance of fire. So it was always. The cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, after that the children of Israel would journey. And in the place where the cloud settled, the children of Israel would pitch their tents. At the command of the Lord, the children of Israel would journey. And at the command of the Lord, they would camp. As long as the cloud stayed above the tabernacle, they remained encamped. Even when the cloud continued long, many days above the tabernacle, the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not journey. So it was when the cloud was above the tabernacle a few days, according to the command of the Lord, they would remain in camp. And according to the command of the Lord, they would journey. So it was when the cloud remained, remained only from evening until morning, when the cloud was taken up in the morning, then they would journey, whether by day or by night. Whenever the cloud was taken up, they would journey. Whether it was two days, a month, or a year that the cloud remained above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would remain encamped and not journey. But when it was taken up, they would journey. You can see kind of the redundancy here. I think God's trying to get a point across to us. At the command of the Lord, they would remain encamped. They remained encamped, and at the command of the Lord, they journeyed. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by the hand of Moses. Now, God gave the children of Israel supernatural guidance when they were in the wilderness or the desert. The manifest presence of God, literally the glory of God, led them through the wilderness. Now, out of this account, when I read this, the Holy Spirit started speaking to me and gave me a message birthed out of this, all right? So I'm going to go somewhere. There might be some divine rabbit trails, but they're good for us. Amen? People need those rabbit trails. Now, we need to prepare ourselves to be able to move with God. We need to be able to move with God. There is nothing as exciting than moving and flowing with the Holy Spirit as a Christian. Now, if you don't find that exciting, friend, the glory has passed you by. You, you missed the hour of visitation, and the glory's passed you by. And you need to catch up with the cloud of the glory. So I entitled this message today, Moving Forward with the Glory. So the setting of Numbers chapter 9 took place in the wilderness, in the desert. Now, some of you can remember, I preached a message a while back called the test of faith. And in that sermon, I talked about the wilderness journey and what that is all about. The wilderness journey is a place of testing for the Christian. It's a place in our life where we learn obedience to God. 
It's a place where God tests our motives, where he tests and tries our heart. See, God will require things of you and of me. He will ask us to do something just to try our hearts and to see if we'll obey him. Have you you figured that out yet? Has he ever done that in your life yet? I bet he has. He will, he will ask of us, he'll require of us to do something, to try our hearts, to see if we'll do it. Even if something doesn't make sense to our natural mind, he'll test us. How about Abraham? Eh? Abraham taking his son Isaac up the mountain to sacrifice him? I, I, I'm, come on, how many of us would take our child and do that? Huh? But it didn't make sense to, it didn't make sense to his natural mind, but he was obedient. God was trying, God was testing, right? So these things that God may ask of us, they may be spoken to our heart by the Holy Spirit himself. Uh, God may speak through your pastor. God may speak through your husband. God may speak through your boss. God may speak. Are you catching on to something here? God showed me this. God will speak to you and test you through those in a role of authority over you. Now, how many of you have you seen uh, Undercover by John Bevere, that series, Undercover? No, it, po- powerful, powerful. God will test us through those who are in a role of authority over us. See, God is a God of order. God has an authority structure, and he has not done away with that authority structure in a worldly sense, right? How many of you know we have authorities? We have police. We have judges, we have all these who, who are in authority in, in the secular, in the natural. And then in the spiritual, God has not done away with the, with the uh, spiritual structure of authority either. Some people think he has, right? But I mean, it's so obvious in the word of God that he has not done away with that. God is a God of order. He's not a God of anarchy. No, no authority, no structure, you're going to have anarchy. You're, there's no structure at all, Amen. Now listen to me though, if someone asked you to commit a sin, that is not from God. It's not from God. I, mean, I heard of this uh, down in, in Atlanta, you probably heard of it, this, this church scandal going on where the leaders of this church were, were telling women, you know, oh, you've you got to have relations with me or you're not saved or, and all this ridiculous stuff. All right, listen to me. God will not ask you or require you to commit sin. James 1.13 says that God will not tempt anyone with evil. All right? So you got to know that. The Word of God, the Word of God, the written Word of God takes priority over anybody in a role of authority that would ask you to do something outside of the Word of God. Are you hearing me? The word, written Word of God takes uh, authority, priority over anybody in a role over you who would ask you to commit sin. But that was a little trail now. The wilderness is a place where God takes us to deal with the sins, with the issues in our life that would hinder us from moving forward with him. All right? And, and it's not always a fun place. How many of you have found that out? It's a place of preparation for the promised land of your life. Preparation for your calling. Preparation for your purpose. I like to say it this way. It sounds kind of harsh, but it is. It's almost like it's a spiritual boot camp. 
But listen, even in the wilderness, or in the wilderness journey of your life, God is there leading you. He's guiding you. But the question is, will you follow him? Will you obey him? Will you do what it takes to come out of the wilderness victoriously in your life? In that message, A Test of Faith, I, I said this. The length of the wilderness journey is not up to God, it's up to us. See, the children of Israel, they went around the mountain, they went around in that desert for 40 long years because they continually hardened their heart. Are you hearing me? And I'll tell you this right now. Some Christians live their whole life in the wilderness. They never come out. They, they, they continually have hardened hearts. They never come out of the wilderness. They're constantly fighting against God, and they live their whole life in the wilderness. Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Hagin said it this way. The Lord showed him. He said, there's some people who live their whole life and die without ever moving into the first phase of their ministry. Without moving into the first phase of the will of God for their life. Think about that. People in the grave. Right now they're gone. And they never fulfilled the will of God for their life. That's tragic. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to look at... Verses 16 through 18. I know, I mean, a lot of this, some of this is not shouting material, but it's good for us. It's something you need to know. If you're going to move into the will of God for your life, if you're going to move with the Holy Ghost, if you're going to move with the cloud of His glory, we need to know what we need to do to be able to accomplish that. Amen? 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18 says this. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, or that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, the Holy Spirit, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We cannot stay the same spiritually. We cannot remain the same. We can't stay where we're at. We cannot be spiritually content if we claim to be Holy Spirit-filled followers of Jesus Christ. We cannot do it. The Word of God even said in that scripture, we are being changed from glory to glory. Or at least we should be changed from glory to glory i want to talk about that for a moment every day if you're a christian every day we should be growing spiritually every day we should be a step closer to our heavenly father than we were the day before are you hearing me now we need to be growing and to be able to move with the glory of god to move with the Holy Spirit, we must embrace change. Say, I must embrace 
change. You cannot and will not move forward with God without having a positive attitude about change. You won't do it. Comfort zones in the Christian's life are nothing more than excuses that keep us spiritual infants in the body of Christ. When the glory cloud began to move in, in the, the account in Numbers, when it began to move, the people of Israel had to quickly pack up their belongings. And at times, I'm sure, they had to lighten the load to be able to move with the presence of God. Think about that. They had to quickly pack their things. We need to embrace change in our lives. Whatever it takes in our life, we must move forward with the Lord. Whatever it takes. That is job description 101 for a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you haven't entered into that, you're not a disciple of Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? All right. I know. Come on. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. So whatever it takes, we must move forward with the Lord. So many Christians are in a rut spiritually because they're stuck back in 1973. Are you hearing me? A, a, a movement that the Holy Spirit did back in the 70s, they make a monument. Are you hearing me? They turn a, mo a movement into a monument and they stay, stay stuck in that thing. They say, we've always done it this way. We've never done anything like this before. Friend, that's the flesh. And with the help of the devil trying to keep you and I from moving forward with God. Are you hearing me? Now listen, when revival hits, when a revival hits, when, a, when the revival, the move of God hits this city, hits this area, your life will change dramatically. Let's put it this way. It needs to change dramatically. Because listen, you read accounts. I just read something um, about the Pensacola revival and Azusa Street. And they were saying, it wasn't Sunday go to meeting. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't just a, a religious thing anymore. People had to make lifestyle changes. They had to make lifestyle changes because when the move of God hit and people were lining up at the doors wanting to get in, wanting to experience the power of God, how many of you know the volunteers, the leaders of the ministries, the churches in the area, it wasn't just a normal work week for them. Sometimes in these revivals they had church seven days a week. The doors were open constantly. Friends, I'm telling you, when the revival hits this area, our responsibility is going to go from here way up through the roof because it's our job to unselfishly step up and reap the harvest when the Spirit of God is moving. Will you do it? I'm, think about this. People, just, just picture it with me. People camping out on this seven acres out here. They're waiting to get into the building to experience the presence of God. We have people in gurneys out there 
who are, have cancer on their deathbed. Doctors given up. They're waiting to get in to experience the presence of God to get a touch from the Lord. We need to be ready to reap this harvest. Are you hearing me? And that's one of the reasons I believe God is, has put upon my heart to start these leadership meetings. I, I got to raise the bar on the leaders of this ministry. I got to raise the bar because it starts from the head down. Are you hearing me? Starts from the head down. If us as leaders aren't lined up and prepared for this thing, yeah, it might start, but it's not going to be carried on. Are you hearing me? Yeah, it may start, but it won't last for long. So we're raising the bar. I feel the Holy Ghost raising the bar here at RCC specifically. Isaiah, go to Isaiah 43, 19. I want to show you something here. I'm talking about change. We need to embrace change. You know what? Yesterday's yesterday. You know what? Two, one, minute, one minute ago is the past now. Come on now. That just the second that passed right now. It's the past. It's the past. We need to do what we got to do now in the present and take it forward into the future. Isaiah 43, 19. Look at this. Powerful. Behold, this is the Lord talking. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Or are you going to let it pass you by in life? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now listen, the new thing is not new to God. How many of you know that? The new thing's not new to God. What God is saying, that new thing's going to be new to us, to you. Are you hearing me? God doesn't change, He's perfect, He's holy. We are the ones expected to change and to move forward with his glory. Move forward with the Holy Ghost in life. See, in that scripture, God is warning us, his people, not to get stuck in a spiritual rut. Are you hearing me? He's saying don't get stuck in a spiritual rut because when I do this new thing, will you not know it? Well, do you not perceive what I'm trying to do in your life? Do you not know that I'm knocking on the door of your heart? I'm trying to do a new thing. Say new thing. Will you not know it? Change must take place in us if we're going to move with the Holy Spirit. See, a negative attitude toward change will quench will grieve the Holy Spirit in your life. In fact, the very word repentance, you know, God's real big on repentance. The very word repentance literally means change. See, a lot of people take that word repentance and simply just apply it to the un unsaved, to the unbeliever. Repent and be saved. Well, repentance is for us too. Repentance is just as much for us as it is for the unbeliever. What it means is change. Have a mind change. Renew your mind. Are you hearing me? Renew your mind. Flow with my spirit and what I'm trying to accomplish in your life personally, in the church corporately, and in an area. Are you hearing me? Amen. So be very, very careful with your attitudes. 
And I'll go, I, I really feel this, people. Wrong attitudes are probably one of the most popular sins in the body of Christ that brings chastening on us. Would you agree with that? Is that a far-fetched statement? I don't think it is. Wrong attitudes, I believe, is one of the biggest sins in the body of Christ that brings chastening. 2 Corinthians 3.16, just touch on that back here. It's interest, interesting, it says, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, I, I don't want to take this out of context, because the context of that is, is the Jewish, unsaved Jewish people turning to Christ. But you know what? We can, this is a principle that we can take for our own lives as Christians. When Christians turn their hearts toward the Lord and seek Him with their whole heart, it's only then, it's only then that we will let go of the fleshly desires and embrace what the Lord is doing in our life. Love the Lord your God with all your what? Amen. Now, and there's more to that too, by the way. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18 says, But we all, listen, but we all with unveiled face, behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Man, there's that change thing again. Transformed, that's a word of change. Into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, one thing that jumped out to me when I read this, just, just it, you ever had that? You read the Word and it's like, it's like the Holy Ghost just took a, a phrase and just threw it right at your face. And you're like, oh man, are you hearing me? This is what happened to me. Our faces must be unveiled they must be unveiled. We need to take off the blinders. We need to remove the hindrances in our life that would be keeping us from seeing this glory, from being transformed by the glory of God. Are you hearing me? Unveiled. I, I just, it's like I had a picture of a, of a sheet over, over our face. Someone who's, who's you know, just hard-hearted and who's, the attitudes are terrible and all this. I mean, it's like there's a veil there. It's like they just can't see it. They can't see it. If you can't see the glory, there's no being changed from glory to glory. Are you hearing me? Now, so we need to confess those things, those sins, those attitudes, and we need to repent. We need to change. But listen, there's so many Christians that won't admit their faults. They won't admit bitterness. They won't admit envy. They won't admit resentment. They won't admit that they're holding unforgiveness. They won't admit the idolatry in their life and other sins of the heart. They cover those things up with empty confessions of Scripture. Empty spiritual babble to fool others. But I want to show you something. Go to James chapter 3. This is powerful. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 16. They cover these things up. James 3, 13 through 16. It says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show you by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. 
But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not defend, de- descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Now listen, if you try to cover those things, those sins of the heart, by lying against the truth, what's the truth? The truth is, these things are in my heart. What's the lie? No, I don't have anything. Oh, I praise Jesus. While those things remain in the heart. The Word of God says that that wisdom to cover those things is earthly, sensual, or fleshly. And it even says demonic. Did you catch that? Many people that do this, they're in a fog. They're in a confusion because they're given more place to the flesh and demons than to the Holy Ghost in their life. That's why verse 16 says, it goes on to say after it says that this wisdom is fleshly, it's earthly, it's demonic. Then it goes on to say where envy and self-seeking exist, or your will be done, not God's. Confusion and every evil thing is there. Are you hearing me? If you deal with confusion today, you, you just feel like you're in a fog. You know what? Take it back to this. Examine your heart today. Because this may be it. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. I didn't say you necessarily had a demon if you have those things. Someone could. But what, I'm saying, what, what it is saying is the devil, demons, promote that thing. Because the Bible says, confess your faults. Confess and repent of your sin. So what would the devil want you to do? The opposite. Hold on to those things. Mask it. And it says this wisdom's from the devil. All right. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. Let me show you something here. And you have forgotten the exhortation, which speaks to you as to sons, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom the father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening of of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as it seemed best to them, but he, God, for our profit. That's good, isn't it? God wants us to profit. He's looking out for us. And then it says he does it for a profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, now the Bible gets down to to a real practical thing here. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, 
afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Listen, the Lord showed me this. The Lord said to me, he said, are you going to receive chastening in your life and instruction from the Lord as a son? He said, or are you going to be a bastard? Fatherless, that's what bastard means. I know the world's twisted that thing. But, the, but bastard literally means fatherless. He goes, are you going to be a son or are you going to be a bastard? Think about that. We need to take that to heart. Are we going to receive his correction? Are we going to continue to go on our own way? I, I found it interesting here. Verse 7, it says, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. If, say if. So that must mean if we're constantly, if we're constantly putting the wall up and not flowing with the Holy Ghost, not taking heed to the correction God wants to make in our lives, then there seems to be a shift. Did you catch that? What do you think the shift goes over to then? Judgment. Do you want to be a son or are you going to act like a bastard? The Holy Spirit made it so clear to me. Go to Proverbs chapter 1. Friends, I think that's the point that we're at here uh, in this church specifically and in the body of Christ as a whole. How are we responding to the correction that the Holy Spirit's trying to show us to make in our lives? Proverbs 1, 29 through 33. If you're not going to heed the voice of the Lord, the only thing left is judgment. And not because God wants that to happen, but the hedge is taken down. Are you hearing me? All right, now, Proverbs 1, 29 through 33. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, there's free will, choose. They would have none of my counsel. This is the Lord speaking to us. They would have none of my counsel or instruction and despised my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way. And be filled with the, with, uh, and they shall be filled to the full with their own fancies. Listen to this: for the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency, staying in one place. Don't you talk to change about me? I've always done it this way. I've always been this way. Don't change me. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me, to God, to the Word, to the Holy Ghost, will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. Why? Why won't you have the fear of evil? Because you know your heart's right with the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Fear won't have a place to land on the runway in your heart. Are you hearing me? If the children of Israel would have walked in obedience to God, but not only that, there's another point here that, that's, I mean, so, so clear. If they would have walked in obedience to God and respected and trusted Moses, 
God's chosen leader, they would have went into the promised land a lot quicker than what they did. Are you hearing me? They could have avoided many of the problems and pain that they encountered in the wilderness. Friends, I promise you, the Holy Spirit will challenge everything and anything in your life that is against the Word of God, the will of God. He will challenge any attitude that is of the flesh and not of God. He will challenge it. He will use people to rip off that spiritual mask of dead religion. Are you hearing me? And at that point, we have a decision to make. Will we be complacent? Will we stay put? Or will you move with the glory? See, that's why so many people have a problem with some ministries. Because it takes them outside of their comfort zone. Listen to this. Particularly the ministry of a prophet. Oh, friends, if you want to see a place shaken up, just wait till God sends the prophet. That shakes things up. And we're glad to do it. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Hallelujah. Say shake it up. Really? (laughs) All right, listen. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 12. This is awesome because this is in the New Testament, is it not? But it's talking about the account of when the children of Israel were in the desert or in the wilderness. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses and in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food. And all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples. To the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. 23,000, judgment came on them. They died, 23,000. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Oh, this is interesting. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples that they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. The things that were written in the Old Testament accounts were written, the Bible says, for our admonition. You know what that means? So we don't make the same stupid mistakes that they made. Are you hearing me? That means God is wanting us to get wisdom from these things. He wants us to learn from their mistakes and don't duplicate them in our lives. See, God is for you. He wants you blessed. He wants to use you. However, when someone hardens their heart and gives place to sin, place to the enemy, 
God will not, he cannot override your free will. He can't do it. Verses 3 and 4 says that all of the children of Israel ate, ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink from that spiritual rock, which, which was Christ. Someone's like, well, what do you mean? That was before Jesus came. Well, everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Are you hearing me? But listen, it is what, what, what got me in that one part where it says all drank the same spiritual drink, all ate the same spiritual food. This, this is what, it's amazing to me how different people can hear the same message and some take hold of it and run with it. Some get offended with it. And some just don't hear a doggone thing that was said in a message. Are you hearing me? They, they drink the same spiritual drink and they eat the same spiritual food. Meaning they're hearing the same message. They're partaking of the same thing that's going out. Some man, they just take that thing and they run with it like they're in a marathon. Some get offended. And some don't hear a doggone word. <laughs> And then verse 5 goes on to say, but with most of them, those, the children of Israel in the wilderness, God was not well pleased. Why? Why? Because many were rebellious and hardened their heart toward the Lord and toward Moses, God's chosen man to lead them. Now listen, put yourself in Moses' shoes. Put yourself in Moses' shoes. How frustrating it must have been. To hear the people constantly complaining, constantly fighting against Moses. Moses knew God. He knew the plan of God and what God wanted to do. But the people wouldn't follow. Now think about that. He devoted his whole life to lead God's people. And they made his job miserable. See what you got to look forward to in the ministry? <laughs> he's, he's starting a church over on the east side, my buddy there. Paul and Aaron from the east side. They're awesome people. They're going to be starting a church. But listen, let's take this now. Let's take this to a practical sense. God takes our, our, our attitude toward our spiritual leaders very seriously. Come on. Hebrews 13. Go to Hebrews 13. Oh, come on now. You still love me, don't you? It's just a fact. It's frustrating. I mean, even from a pastoral standpoint, no one's seeing a vision and, and, and trying to get people. That's one of the most frustrating parts, to be honest with you. Come on now. I'm not cutting, down, cutting you guys. I'm just saying, as a leader, that is absolutely frustrating. Amen? It is. I, I know it's hard to see if you've never been in that position. I mean, even a secular position if you're a leader. You see how hard it is to try to get people in, in, in a job to follow you and do the right thing sometimes, huh? Think of how serious, how much more serious in a spiritual position. How much more serious when you know that you're going to have to give an account for the people that are sitting under you. Come on now. Hebrews 13, 17. It says this. Obey those who have rule over you. And be submissive. Now, not to sin. Remember, God will not ask you to sin. Are you hearing me? Be submissive. For they, meaning leaders, and I'm going to say spiritual leaders here, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give, give account. 
Let them do so with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you. Listen, as a leader, uh, that, that kind of sets me free a little bit there. I'm telling you, I, got, I just hold on to that right there. I do my best as a leader. But guess what? If you don't follow, you want to kick against, kick against what God's doing? For that would be unprofitable for you. That means if you, if you jump on the vision of what God has shown me for this church, and, and you, you go with it, man, you get excited, you put your hand to what you can put your hand to, guess what? That would be profitable for you. I like that. <laughs> I really like that. But listen, don't expect to move forward with the Holy Ghost, with the glory of God, when you reject and are rebellious towards God's chosen leaders. Are you hearing me? That's why even when someone comes to this church and maybe they had uh, a falling out with a leader or something and, and man, they were just dead wrong with that. I sit them down, I'll talk to them about it. Are you hearing me? They need, they need to make things right. 1 Corinthians 10 lists five things specifically that many of the children of Israel did that we need to avoid. And, and I mention these because God specifically mentions this in this account, so it's pretty important, amen? Verse 5 says that they lusted after evil things. Verse 7 says that they became idolaters. Verse 8 says that they committed sexual immorality. Verse 9 says that they tempted Christ or God. Verse 10 says that they were complainers. I find that incredible. That in a list of sexual immorality in, in these things, idolatry, then he tacks on complainers. <laughs> you see, we got to get God's mind on things, don't we? We need to see things from God's point of view. Now, so we need to check our desires. Is there anything in our life that we're desiring that's outside of the will of God, in the word of God specifically, that we ought not touch? Is there anything in our life that we're exalting in our life that we, we, we lift that thing higher than Jesus Christ in our lives. That's idolatry. How about sexual immorality, fornication, pornography, whatever? Are you a negative person, a complainer? That's a form of rebellion. And each one of these things will open us up to the enemy in our lives. Amen? And, and you know, one thing, the body of Christ has seemed to rate sin. Don't you know what I'm saying? One, oh, that's, uh, yeah, well, yeah, I, I did lie about that, but you know what? I didn't murder anybody. We seem to rate sin. But sin is sin. And people try to excuse their sin by saying, well, God's merciful and full of grace, right? Listen to me. God spoke this very clearly when I was writing this message. He said, my mercy is in the sense that I give people a space of time, a period to repent. There is nothing more precious, nothing more merciful that God can do than to give us a space of time to repent and to turn toward him. Are you hearing me? It's not a thing to excuse us and to continue in sin. Paul said, should I continue in sin that grace may abound? For, he said, you know, God forbid. Are you hearing me? So the mercy of God, he, he gives people a space, a time frame to repent. 
And the grace of God is God's provision that he made through Jesus Christ to take our sins away. The provision he made to give us the Holy Ghost, to live a holy life, to give us the power to overcome sin. And it's God's grace because we couldn't earn it. We didn't earn it. We didn't do enough good works and God said, okay, now I'm going to send my son Jesus down to die for you. No, we were cursing God. Humankind was cursing God. Totally rebellious against God, but God's grace, unmerited favor, he sent Jesus. Are you hearing me? And on this topic, just recently, the Lord reminded me of my life B.C. You know, I lived B.C. I lived before Christ. I, before coming to Christ. B.C., my life before Christ. Get it? Before getting saved. B.C. And he reminded me how, you know, how I used to live and a sinner. And, man, I was good at it. He reminded me, what if I, he goes, James, what if you would have taken your last breath when you were in the middle of sinning right there and, and you were apart from me, unsaved? Are you hearing me? How I would have ended up in hell for eternity. But the mercy of God, that time frame. Are you hearing me? Thank God that I'm born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? But that's sobering to consider. How, how on the edge I was walking on life. Are you hearing me? And how many people are, are they're just walking that tightrope, man. Man, you just hope, oh, Lord, you know, these people who aren't saved, Lord, don't let them get in a car accident and die. Don't, don't let them take their last breath. Don't, Lord, uh, you know, send laborers into their path before they take their last breath. How on the edge of eternity they are. Wow. I, I mean, it's just, it's breathtaking to think about. So if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, it is the mercy of God that you have breath in your lungs right now. It's the mercy of God that your heart is still beating. And it's the mercy of God that you even have an opportunity to make Jesus Lord of your life right now. Are you hearing me? Verse 12, uh, verse 12 says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. In other words, examine your heart. Be alert. Keep moving with the glory. Make the changes that the Holy Spirit are trying to prompt on you. And don't be so puffed up thinking that you could never fall into such a thing. Are you hearing me? Think soberly, the Word of God says, as we ought to think about ourselves. Don't think too highly of yourself. No, we need to be alert. Are you hearing me? Sin will hinder us from moving forward with the glory. The Bible even goes on to say, without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Living a, a life of holiness or a life that's set apart to God will give you a nice, clear spiritual vision to move with the glory of God. Now, how many of you know Jesus' specialty, if you will, is cleansing temples? Remember that account where he came into the temple and he just started knocking over tables and chairs? That is a picture of what he wants to do in our life. Everything that is against him, everything that would hinder him from moving in our life, man, he just wants to come and he wants to rip that thing over. And he's trying to show us those things. The question is, will we make the changes? Or are we going to set those, or after he knocks those things down, are we going to come around and 
pick those tables back up, put the tablecloth back on, let's put the chair back, and we say, Lord, our will be done, not yours. Amen? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Some people say, yeah, I can't stop sinning. It's uncontrollable. We'll go to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Let's just kill that thing right now. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You and I, we can overcome any sin, any temptation through the power of the Holy Spirit. The problem is many Christians ignore the Holy Spirit as their helper. All right? Now, just two short points here I want to make with you, and I'm done. It's possible to obey God, yet your heart is far from Him. Your heart attitude stinks. It's like the little boy that was standing on a chair by the dinner table. The mom told him, sit down. He said, no. Again, she sternly said, sit down now. He sits down and he said, I may be sitting down on the outside, but on the inside, I'm still standing up. And that's the point where you need to spank that thing out of that brat. (laughs) Spanking is biblical, by the way. Not abuse, spanking for correction. Amen? How many of you know the body of Christ is full of people like that? They'll do something, but doggone it, their heart attitude just reeks. Terrible. You know what? I'd rather you not do that thing and stay home. Are you hearing me? Check your motives. Go to Isaiah 119. Let's do that. I want to show you that. Isaiah 119. Don't do me any favors. If you, if you don't want to be a part of something, I'd rather you stay home with that cruddy attitude than to be here and let that thing be contagious for everyone else. Are you hearing me? It says this, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. You see two parts in this verse. Willing and obedient. Willing deals with your heart attitude. Obedient deals with your actions. And God requires both to be pure. So we need to check our motives in connection with the will of God. Are you really interested in pursuing the will of God or your own will? Are you seeking Him for who He is or what He can do for you only? And listen, this is, this is harsh, but I'll tell you what, this became clear to me. You know me, I don't mind throwing out some shocking statements here, but if you take this home and think about it, it's true. Spiritually speaking, many Christians treat God like a prostitute. Here's a few bucks, God. Now give me what I want. I put my one to two hours in at church a week. Now give me what I want. Their heart is far from Him. 
It's true. It's true. Last point, to move forward with the glory, to move forward with the Holy Ghost, you must let go of the past and embrace God's vision for the future. The Bible says without vision, the people perish. If you're stuck in the past, you're, you're, you're going to be stuck. You're, you're just going nowhere. You're in the rut. Go to Philippians chapter 3. See, it's interesting when you shed a light on it like that, isn't it? It sobers you up a little bit about some of the attitudes that we uh, sometimes unknowingly take to God. Are you hearing me? But it's true. Okay. It is so true. God's not interested in your couple bucks. He wants your heart. And when he's got your heart, the bucks will follow. <laughs> right? When he's got your whole heart, everything you have, you're going to honor the Lord with your substance, Proverbs says. Are you hearing me? Philippians 3, uh, this is my last scripture. Philippians 3, 12 through 16. It says this, not, this is the Holy Ghost or the Apostle Paul. Listen to what Paul said here. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended or taken hold of this thing yet. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ, in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will even reveal this, this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us be of the same mind. In other words, I find this interesting. If you're not pressing forward, if you're not looking ahead and keeping your eyes on Jesus, you're not spiritually mature. That's one way to rate your spiritual maturity. If you're constantly looking back in the past and you're hindered, man, I can't do this, well, uh, but I've done this in the past. You're spiritually immature. Immature. Are you hearing me? No, we need to let go of those things. The Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, is encouraging us as Christians to press forward don't get complacent where you're at. Don't get complacent where you've been. Are you hearing me? And then he says, if you are otherwise minded, God will reveal this unto you. The Holy Spirit, literally, those things that you're, you're holding on to from the past, literally, Paul said here, that the Holy Spirit will show you these things. He'll bring these things to your remembrance. He'll show you these things. God wants to take us into our future. But we're stuck in our past a lot of times. Are you hearing me? Keep moving forward. 
Are you where God wants you to be in life? Are you in the will of God? Or have you gotten complacent and not moved with the glory? Like Moses, like Moses said, he said, God, I don't want to move unless your presence goes with me. And God promised his presence would go with Moses. And what, what else did he say after that? He said, my presence will go with you. And I, God, will give you rest. Why? Because when, the, when you're following the glory, everything falls into place. You're not doing things in your own strength anymore. You're not making a mess of things that you're always having to clean up. When you're moving with the glory, everything falls into place. That's where we're at, RCC. That's where we're at, body of Christ. We need to learn to move with the glory. It's only when we move with the glory of God, with the will of God, that we can have rest. We'll avoid needless pain. We'll be profitable for the kingdom of God. When God is moving, we need to learn to move by embracing change. So don't get comfortable. Don't get spiritually content. Don't get spiritually full. Are you hearing me? Don't get in a rut. Press in more and more and keep moving with the glory. And if you don't sense his presence on your life, you don't sense his glory in what you're putting your hand to, you need to search him out. Say, God, what do you want me to do? Let's stand in this place. Hallelujah. Father, I know that I know that this was a word from your Holy Spirit. You are challenging us. You are enlarging our stakes. You're stretching us to learn how to move with your glory, to move with your Holy Spirit in all things. Help us, Lord. Maybe there's someone in here, you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You know, I, I don't want to let one service go by. Some, some say, man, Pastor James, you're always doing the same things. Yeah, but listen, friend, I went to a church. They never gave an invitation. And I know people came into that church and left. And they took their last breath and they're in hell right now. I don't want that to be on my head. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, today is the day of salvation. I want to give you an invitation to make him the Lord of your life. To get a new birthday, the born again experience. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I just want you to come forward. I want to pray with you. I want to have the privilege of praying with you. Maybe there's someone in here. You've fallen away from the Lord. You let the glory pass you by. You've been hardening your heart. You haven't done what you're supposed to do. And you're ready to get back under the cloud. You're ready to get back under the fire and be led by the Holy Ghost. If that's you, you want to rededicate your life, I want you to come forward to this altar. Next, maybe there's someone in here you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism. Friend, don't reject what God offers. The Holy Spirit baptism, Acts 1-8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Upon. There's the within and there's the upon. The Holy Ghost baptism's the upon. If you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism, you need to come forward to receive Him today. The Holy Spirit baptism. 
Maybe you're in this place, you, you are, have a physical infirmity, you have an emotional infirmity. You just need prayer for something. I want you to come forward. I want to pray with you. The rest of you, worship the Lord and determine in your life, have I let the glory pass me by? Am I really where God wants me to be in life? Think about that as the music plays.
Hallelujah. Keep that going. Um, Bob, right? Okay. There's a guy named Bob. Angie's uh, uh, old neighbor. He has a tumor, cancerous tumor on his brain stem. So let's lift your hands to the Lord right now. And let's pray for Bob. Father God, we lift Bob up to you right now. In the name of Jesus, I speak to that cancerous tumor. I curse it at the root right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command that tumor to dissolve in the name of Jesus. Jesus, you said every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted shall be uprooted. Right now, we uproot that cancerous tumor in the name of Jesus. In every cancerous cell in Bob's body, I curse every cancerous cell, command every cancerous cell to dissolve, and I command new and healthy cells to be formed in his body in place of the cancerous cells. Lord, purify his blood. Purify and cleanse every organ in his body. And we declare that Bob shall live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. So God, do it. Do it. We all come into agreement right now. And we say, Bob, be healed. Be strengthened in the name of Jesus Christ. Nola, come on up here, sister. I want to pray for you for your Nicaragua trip. Jack, come on up too. Hallelujah. Nola's going away. I believe she's leaving Tuesday. Tuesday? Tomorrow. Uh, for a two-week trip to Nicaragua, ministry trip. Stretch your hands toward Nola right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for Nola that she, you would encamp her. Every mode of transportation she's on, encamp her in the, the transportation with your holy angels. We say no weapon formed against her shall prosper. And God, I pray that your fire would be stirred in her like never before, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that she would go down with your message. She would ignite revival in the hearts of the people. Ignite revival in that country, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Pray in the Spirit if you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. God, let your will be done on this trip, God. Any fear the enemy would try to put on her, I command that fear to go in the name of Jesus Christ. And I lose boldness. I lose a boldness upon Nola right now. A boldness like never before to proclaim the word like she's never proclaimed it. I pray the gifts of the Spirit would be released in her right now, God. In the mighty name of Jesus. So we send her out with blessings. We send her out. And we say, go reap the harvest. Go reap the harvest. Go equip the saints for the revival that will be sparked in that area. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we praise you. We praise you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing. Yes, Lord. Father, I pray for every person in here that the gifts that you have given them would be released. They would be released right now in a greater way. In a greater way. That you'll show them what they need to put their hands to to make this thing work properly and to flow with your Holy Spirit. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.
Praise God. Um, let's see here. Yes, the leadership meetings are not starting this Tuesday. They're starting February 5th. Tuesday, February 5th. First Tuesday, Super Tuesday in voting in the country. But anyway, 6 to 8, there's names on the back RCC news board. Those are the names of the people that we really need you here. Spouses are welcome to attend because, hey, come on, let's walk together in this thing. Amen? One flesh with your spouse, so that's a good thing. And uh, Wednesday night, we're, we're moving forward. Um, we're probably going to show a, a, another John Hagee one on political issues, talking about things that Christ, the, what the Bible says about certain issues. So come on back Wednesday. If not, we'll see you Sunday. God bless you.